your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, with you. It's coming up on 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. 701 in three, two, one. Woof, 701 in St. Louis. Michelle, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. You? I'm doing great. I fortunately didn't stay up for the end of the hockey game last night. Yeah, it didn't turn out great. I'm no. sure a lot of people fell asleep during the game. They probably didn't make it till the end, and they woke up this morning and checked the score, and they're probably not too pumped. No, Blues lose 5-1 after being tied 1-1 after two periods, and things just fell apart for St. Louis. Jonathan Marcheseau scoring in the first period for the Golden Knights. The Blues coming back on a Vince Dunn goal in the second period to tie the game at one. Then in the third, at the 120 mark, Mark Stone for the Knights. At 11:19, Keegan Colasar scores to make it a 3-1 game. William Carlson at the 14:56 mark on the power play. It was 4-1, and then with less than two minutes left, Mark Stone with another goal for the Golden Knights, who win it by a score of 5-1. to one. And I will tell you this, the Golden Knights are just a better team than the Blues. Right now, yes. Yeah, just yeah. the way it is. And, you know, you'd like to say, oh, this is the reason, this is the reason, this is the reason. Well, the reason is, and I know that in a moment, Craig Bruby is going to disagree with me, but the fact of the matter is, right now, Vegas is just better than the Blues. Now, the Blues did do some things that are not inclined to help them come out victorious and one of those was not being able to get the puck out of their own zone yeah we definitely didn't get to the four check uh good enough you know like i said when it boils down to is uh, we spend more time in our too much time in our end because we we get a puck we don't make a play you know under pressure no composure don't win enough puck battles i'll say it again don't win enough puck battles um, so you're going to spend time on your end. That's a good team over there. They do a lot of things right. Uh, they come at you in waves, you know, um, and we were just overwhelmed. And I felt we were overwhelmed the whole game. They come at you in waves. That sounds familiar, it doesn't sure it? It sure does, yeah. And the Blues were overwhelmed. It, they couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. And we're seeing, by the way, the value of Colton Pareko on this team. Yes. But there were a lot of people over the years that were down on Alex Petrangelo. Alex Petrangelo could get the puck out of his own zone. As a matter of fact, did it better than anybody else in the league. I think, you know, Petro had 
ups and downs, I guess, with the fan mm-hmm. base here. And obviously, he was the first guy to hoist the cup in franchise history. So a lot of the negative feelings about him, I think, subsided once that happened with the fan base. But he took a lot of heat that he probably didn't deserve. And now that he's not on the team, you're really seeing what he brought to the Blues. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I'll keep saying it over and over again. Jay Bomeister, same exact Big playbook. Time. He had up and downs with the fans, too. The fans didn't appreciate him as much as they should. And with Bomeister not on this team, you're really seeing the value that he brought as well. And Barubi had his team. Heck, they were 1-1 going into the sec- or into the third period. You know, basically it boils down to they wanted the game more than us. They... They, they they dug in more. They won more puck battles, you know, made more plays, skated better. That's why they won the game. I wonder how the Blues get that back because the Blues, we know, have done that in the past. How do you get it back so that you are as hungry as or more hungry than the opposition if you don't have it? That's a great question. And you'd think at this point in the season, you would have found that already. But it has been hard for the Blues with so many injuries that they're dealing with. They haven't had the same group out there collectively time after time to really get that rhythm. You've had guys who get injured, guys who are coming back. I feel like a lot of this season has been the Blues trying to tread water and find that rhythm. But at this point in the season, you'd like to see at least some of that coming together. And when he tells me that, when he tells me that, the Blues aren't competing hard enough. That tells me that they believe that they can win games just physically, that they don't need to really try hard, that they have that much talent. They don't. Have, nobody has that much talent. Toronto has a ton of talent, but they never win because mm-hmm. they're a team that gets out competed on a regular basis. And there isn't a hockey team that cannot play at a high competitive level and win games. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize that. The second period had been so interesting for the Blues. I was reading this morning. Vince Dunn's goal was the first second period goal for the Blues in three games, and they've been outscored in the second period 37 to 31 this season. Yeah, it has not been. Good. So, but sometimes with the Blues, it's period to period with this right. team. Right. It they is. can have a strong first period, uh, a second period you'd like back, and then a lot of times we've seen them come back in the third period. So you'd like to see them put it together for an entire game more consistently than they have. So we hear the coach say that we got out-competed. What about the players? Vince Dunn scored the Blues' only goal. Uh, not really much to explain. I think we were up on our heels in the third, and um, I thought our compete level definitely wasn't good enough overall in the game. We got a couple lucky bounces, but um, you know, I definitely think as a whole, we were a little bit um, too spread out, and um, I thought we could have done a little bit better job possessing the puck. Fix it. Just fix it. Hey, you, you don't win at home. Your compete level isn't high enough, so you don't win on home ice. You don't compete against the best team in your conference, certainly in your division. Something's got to get fixed. Win the puck battles. Yep, and get the puck out of your own zone. When you have the opportunity, make a play out of your own zone. So the Blues fall last night, 5-1 in Vegas. Were the Cardinals any better off? Eh, really. Dylan Carlson got gave them a lead, though. He homered on a line drive in the second inning, 1-0 Cardinals. Then he singled a run home, 2-0 Cardinals after four. But then in the bottom of the fifth, runner aboard. Lewis Brinson was aboard. Matt Carpenter makes an error. He was playing first base yesterday. Uh, Lewis Brinson scored. Marlins down 2-1. to one. Then Jack Flaherty, a ground ball back to him, throws it over the first baseman Carpenter's head. Jazz Chisholm rounds the bases. We are tied at two. Magnera Sierra, the former Cardinal, flies around the bases after the bad throw. He's at third base in a wild pitch by Flaherty, Michelle. Mm-hmm. 
send Sierra home. Marlins lead 3-2, and they roll to a 7-2 victory over your Redbirds. Concerned? No. Nah. Me either. No, nah, it's. I, I wish Jack Flaherty would have made the play, but there were a lot of things that went into it. The Carpenter error was a problem. Uh, obviously, when you make your own error, that's a problem. What did Flaherty think? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it was a it was a long running. Had some crazy things happen there that are kind of unorthodox things you might not, uh, you know, you hope to not kind of run into. So you, know, you run into those long innings and kind of the first one that you really have where you really got to continue to execute pitch after pitch. And uh, so that was uh, that was good to have, but then to get back out there again in the next inning and still feel good and still feel like there's a lot left in the tank and body still feels good and. Uh, still able to repeat things, so that, that's that was all in all felt felt good to just continue on with that. Michelle, Marp, 0 for four. I knew you were going to bring this up. Marp is one for twenty nine. He's hitting 0 34. Even if you don't care in your evaluation process about batting average, 0 34 stands out. As does the 222 on base and the 291, 291 on base plus slugging. Not good. Not great. No. And, I, and I wonder how much the Cardinals are putting into that, how much stock they're putting into that, because, of course, they're going to say, well, he's a veteran guy. It's spring training. You know, he's working on some things and we're not concerned about it at all. But in any other circumstance, would this be a guy that you would have on your team? No. And <laughs> if he didn't have a contract, what he like should this? be working on because he's been bad offensively for the last two years. He should work, be working on being good. There, he, he doesn't, in my opinion, the only thing he has holding him to the Cardinals is his contract. Absolutely. And to your point, it's a continuation of a trend, which is why it's alarming. If this was someone who had great offensive production the past two years and then wasn't showing up in spring training, I might be able to buy that narrative. But this is a continuation of what we've seen out of Matt Carpenter. Yeah, one for 29. That's rough. Ugly. And I feel so badly for him because you know he's probably working so hard and no one yep. feels worse about it than him. And he probably hates that he hasn't found it. But sometimes players just get to a point where they don't have it anymore. Right. It, it, it's what happens. Yeah, Father time is still undefeated, right? Yes. All right. Let's give you the NCAA basketball scores from last night. Did you like, by the way, the Monday, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, as it turns out, you went through it. Was that okay for you? And it was because of COVID, by the way. Mm -hmm. But did you like that or would you have preferred the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? So at first it felt weird on Thursday not to have games. But then I kind of liked that last night we had games on a Me Monday. It, it made the week more fun. You know, watching that Michigan LSU game, that's not a bad way to start start out your week no. if you're a sports fan. No. Oregon keeps rolling. The seventh-seeded Ducks knock off Iowa 95-80. to 80. Gonzaga... Number one seed advances with an 87-71 win over Oklahoma. Oklahoma, of course, the team that vanquished Mizzou. UCLA keeps rolling. The 11th seed eliminate Abilene Christian 67-47. So UCLA is in the Sweet 16. Creighton over Ohio 72-58. A couple of number five seeds make it to the Sweet 16. Michigan, as Michelle mentioned, an 86-78 win over LSU. That was a 1-8 matchup. It was Florida State over Colorado 71-53. Alabama advances 96-77 over Maryland. And last night, sixth-seeded USC just trampled KU 85-51. I And I'm sorry if I sounded joyous there. Because I know there are a lot of 
KU fans. Yeah, I, I am. That's but okay. It was, what, what a route. 85-51. Who would have seen that coming? I certainly didn't. My bracket didn't. And what an interesting sweet 16. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So out west, you've got Gonzaga and Creighton. And Gonzaga looks like they're real, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> they they do. look really good. A 6-7 matchup, a Pac-12 matchup between USC and Oregon. That'll be fun. South region, you've got Baylor and Villanova. Number one versus the number five. And then Arkansas against Oral Roberts. In the Midwest, this is amazing. You've got eight-seeded Loyola against 12-seeded Oregon State. By the pack, but way, the Pac-12 is crazy good in this tournament. And then 11 versus two, Syracuse, Houston. So you've got two, eight, 11, and 12 remaining in that region. And just the names of the schools. <laughs> right. Obviously, Syracuse, a basketball school. Loyola Chicago has proven that they've been an interesting basketball school the past couple of years. But just Oregon State, Houston, these are a lot of people did not have most of these teams advancing. No, we'll put no. it that way. And then in the East, you've got top seed of Michigan still alive against number four, Florida State next week or this coming weekend. And 11 seed UCLA taking on Alabama. So that is your Sweet 16. Last night, I... I was like, go blue? Do I cheer for Michigan? Because they're the only saving grace of the Big Ten right now. I know, I it's don't, amazing. I don't know. But I think a lot of people entered this tournament with their brackets being very Big Ten heavy because the Big Ten was the deepest and best conference this year. And boy, did they get worked in this tournament. Yeah, it was. Well, and everybody agreed. All the experts agreed that the Big Ten was going to be there. Mm-hmm. We were talking about three or four, maybe even five Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16. And you got one? One. Unreal. That's Michelle. (laughs) I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. A little game of what's better coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's better? Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And Emily will have your what's better questions for us. At the top of the 8 o'clock hour, we want you, we're going to put you in the shoes of John Mozeliak, Mike Gersh, Mike Schilt. You have John Nagowski, who this spring is 9 for 23. He's hitting 391. He has a homer, 10 RBIs. Leads the club in RBIs. You have Matt Carpenter, who's due $18.5 million this year. A lot of money. Who is due, uh, or is one for 29. He's hitting 034. So you have to take the contract into consideration here, right? Of course. So we want your mic drops for the 8 o'clock segment. What are you doing with Carpenter and Nagowski? If you're in the shoes, and you have to be practical here because you did give the contract to Matt Carpenter. So how are you going to treat the Carpenter-Nagowski situation at the end of spring training if you are Mo, if you're Gersh, if you're Schilt? And really think about it because it's very easy for us as outsiders to say get rid of Matt Carpenter Mm -hmm. and not consider the contract. But really think about if you were in their shoes and you knew that 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 money was owed to him, what would you do? And I don't know if this plays a role or not, but the guy does vacation with Arenado. They're they're buds. 
he's a, an important part of this team from a leadership standpoint. Yeah. He's always working hard. He, you know, seemingly everything we hear is a great member of the organization. And I'm sure that that plays into it as well. So if you don't have the 101 ESPN app yet, download that. Because you could win a lot of cool stuff like $500 cash or a Nolan Arenado jersey or Traeger grill. Say no more. And a Traeger grill is awesome, by the way. Uh, And the other part of this is use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. We want to hear your voice. What would you do with Matt Carpenter if you were the Cardinals? That's coming up at 8 o'clock with the Rhino Shield mic drops. Right now, though, what's better? 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And Emily, what do you got for us? We will stay in the same vein with Matt Carpenter. From the 314, what's better, Matt Carpenter or Alan Craig? Well, Randy, one of those two guys caught the final out on a World Series championship team, and one of those guys has an iconic tortoise. So I think you so, got to go with uh, Torty Craig, right? I got to go with Torty Craig. Yeah, I am going for Alan Craig as well. If Alan Craig doesn't hurt his foot mm-hmm. and mess up the base for his hitting, he would have been a really good hitter. He was the best RBI guy in the whole league for a couple of years. Now, Carpenter was the best leadoff guy in the whole league for a couple of years. But I would go Alan Craig because I think if he doesn't get hurt, he winds up being the Cardinals' number four hitter for a long time. I agree. And remember when the deal went down and he got moved to Boston, a lot of people were saying, how could you get rid of Alan Craig? Even Mike Matheny said that. But (laughs) clearly there was something amiss there. There was something that wasn't right, and it ended up being a really smart move by John Moselak and the Cardinals. And John Lackey helped him get to a World Series. Yes, the crusty old veteran. Yep. From the 573, what's better, watching your team win in the tournament or watching an evil ex's team lose? Okay, well... By the way, Lackey helped the Cubs get to a World Series, not the Cardinals, but they had 100 games with him. He was a good Cardinal. He 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 was was good when he was with the team. I knew what you meant. Okay, uh, this this one's all on you. Well, I think if you're that concerned about your ex, then you really don't love your team that much and also get over it. Like, live your life. Why do you care about your ex and and their team? I don't think that there's a scenario... In which your team could win and you would you shouldn't feel better about it. Right. Why is your you're letting your ex live rent free in your head yeah, so right. much that you're getting more joy out of his or her team losing than your own winning? I can yeah. promise you there's no person on earth who I care about more that their team would lose that I would take more joy out of their team losing than I would if Illinois would right. win. Exactly. Agreed. From the six one eight, what's better? Pizza and wings or burgers and fries? Pizza and wings. And uh, this is all due respect to a beloved aspect of my life, burgers and fries. (laughs) But it's pizza and wings. I don't know, Randy. If you... Okay, so here's where I'm... My thought process here. Pizza is better than a burger, in my opinion. I, I will go along with that, yes. But I'm taking fries over wings. Wings are great. Wings are great. But a good fry, Randy, hits different. So that's why I'm torn on what to go with here. It does, but here's my thing. I think that the combo of pizza and wings, I, I think pizza offsets burger more than fries offset wings. I don't disagree with you at all. Although I do think the best wing eclipses the best fry, but I think in general, fries are, the worst fry is better than the worst wing, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but... In my opinion, if if I am getting ready for a game, okay, because we're a sports show, we're sports people. Yeah. If I'm getting ready, and so everything for me revolves around sports. 
It's going to be pizza and wings 100% of the time rather than burger and fries when I'm watching a sporting event. I don't know. I think I'm leaning burger and fries here. Wow. Yeah, because those two go together, Randy. They're like peas and carrots. They're like Sonny and Cher. They're meant to be together. They're the perfect complement. Sonny and Cher got divorced. Yeah, but they were still a great Then Sonny went skiing and ruined everything. Okay, so what's a better comp of a a couple? Uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z, hello. Mm. No? Well, they're still together, Kim and Kanye? No. No. J-Lo, A-Rat, no. no. Uh, You know who's good is uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. There you go. Look at you, Randy. Thank you. You're right. Okay, so they go together like Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. They're the perfect complement of one another. You have, see, when wings could be the main event, pizza could also be the main event. No question. So you're having two things that are competing. Also, if you're eating wings, they're very messy, and then you're grabbing the pizza. It's just a lot going on there, whereas the burger is the main event, and the fries are just a nice complement to it. Burger and fries yeah it's it's not like they're a couple they're they just they do complement each other so I, I'm still going pizza and wings but it, I'm not completely dismissing burger and fries I, I love I adore burgers and fries someone someone just texted this one in and I think this is a good one too from the 314 what fry is the best wavy cut curly waffle regular I don't discriminate against fries. I accept all fries. But if I had to choose, I love a, a good waffle fry. Fold that bad boy in half, dip it in your preferred condiment, done. I tell you, Michelle, I do too. And the, the Chick-fil-A waffle fry is great. Oh, love me. a tri- Polynesian sauce? Yep. Yes. That being said, have you had the curly fries from Arby's? You know, I can't say that I have. Arby's, I can't say I've been to Arby's in a minute. Arby's curly fries, and I, I don't get there often, but their curly fries are worth going for. Really? Yeah, they're really good. See, if I'm craving a roast beef, I'm going Lion's Choice. Lion's Choice is, and the, the Lion's Choice turkey, totally underrated. Never had Fantastic. it. Fantastic. But you, you get the sh- the shake. You get mm-hmm. Their fries are great, too. Yeah, Lion's they are. Choice, the seasoning. Yep. I mean, yeah. go on Lion's Choice. We've got to do we, we've got to do Arby's curly fries at some point. They're really good. One day, we need to have a taste test of things here. Mm-hmm. We always talk about food, and we always say, we need to try this, we need to try that. We never do. So we need to one day decide what it is, whether it's donuts, whatever it is that we're going to taste test, and we need to do it. Good thought. From the 636, what's better? Arenado being in a Cardinals uniform this season. Arenado. Or or seeing Yachty and Wayno still together this season. Arenado. Yeah. I think I agree. Love you, Yachty. Love you, Wayno. So thrilled you're back. But I can promise you my reaction to the Cardinals acquiring Nolan Arenado was a little bit more pronounced than hearing that Wayno and Yachty were returning. Sorry about that. Sorry, guys. But I think their reaction to Arenado coming to the Cardinals was probably better than their own reaction of coming back. From the 636, what's better? Flaherty winning the Cy Young or Arenado winning MVP? This team is going to, Flaherty can win the Cy Young, and they cannot win the division. Yes. I don't think that Nolan Arenado can win the MVP, and they don't win the division. Agreed. I also think, yeah, the team as a whole will be better if Nolan Arenado is an MVP. And I also think if Jack Flaherty wins a Cy Young, that's one step closer to him going somewhere yeah, else. It is. <laughs> so yeah. as much as I would like to see that happen, that makes me think if he wins the Cy Young, he can write his ticket anywhere. Mm-hmm. From the... Where did it just go? 
From the 636, what's better, Chipotle or Qdoba? Chipotle. And I'm going to go by just a hair, Qdoba. But they're really they're similar. I liked Moe's better. The Moe's and Creve were closed. Mm. So uh, if you take me to Chipotle, if you take me to Qdoba, it's six and one half dozen of the other for me. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Oh, it's good to talk fries at 727 in the morning. <laughs> Coming up, our second of eight burning questions with Carriker and Smallman. Is the Cardinals starting pitching depth going to be enough to get them over the top? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Prepare to initiate burn. O'Neill, deep right at the wall. Carlson hits it through. What a throw by Yachty. Eight burning questions for the Cardinals 2021 season. Number two. Michelle, here in St. Louis, we express lots of confidence about the depth of the Cardinals starting pitching, even though they traded Austin Gomber, and for the moment at least, they've lost Miles Michaelis and KK. I thought it was interesting a couple of weeks ago when we talked to Jeff Passan from ESPN and asked him what his concerns about the Cardinals were, and he said, starting pitching. Mm -hmm. He said, Cardinals fans should be concerned about the starting pitching because they just haven't done it before. So the question today, and by the way, we're going to revisit this coming up at 8.15, and we'd love to hear from you, is, is the Cardinal pitching depth going to be enough to get them a division title in 2021? Right now, your starting rotation is going to consist of, minus Michaelis and KK, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, uh, Carlos Martinez, John Gant, and Daniel Ponce de Leon. They do expect to get KK back some point early in the season. And obviously, Miles Michaelis is still a question mark. And then you have the two young left-handers that'll be lying in wait in Daniel or uh, in Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson. Mm -hmm. You've got Jake Woodford. You've got Johan Oviedo, who you saw a lot of last year. I am confident, actually, in the Cardinals starting pitching. I expect Jack Flaherty to have a bounce-back year and to be a Cy Young contender. I don't know what Adam Wainwright is going to deliver because sometimes he does get hurt. Actually, over the course of the last six, seven years, he's been hurt about half the time. But I do like the stuff and the ability of the young Cardinals starting pitching. I'm not necessarily concerned about the young guys, a Daniel Ponce de Leon or a John Gant taking the spots of a KK or a Michaelis. I think I have more questions about the guys who are already penciled in to be in the rotation. I don't know what to expect out of Carlos Martinez. We never do. Adam Wainwright was sensational last year. Absolutely. But what's it going to look like during a full season at his age and not in a truncated season? We hope that he stays healthy, of course. And I have the most faith in Jack Flaherty, but I think we all are kind of waiting to see what he's going to be. Is he going to be the second half of the 2019 season? Not likely because that was historic. It was incredible. Is he going to be better than he was last season? Likely, yes. But where is it going to fall on that spectrum? So while I think that the Cardinals do really have an advantage when somebody like a KK or Mike List goes down because they can fill that void with the next man up, I really don't know what to expect out of this group as a whole. If Jack Flaherty would give you his entire season from two years ago, 196 in the third innings, a 2.75 ERA. He only went 11 and 8, but you'd expect with the offense being better that he would do better in the win department. But would you take 
196 innings and 2.75 ERA from in 33 starts, by the way, from Jack Flaherty. I would take it in a blink. I was going to say yes, especially because the offense, you said, is going to be better. And a lot of that stuff, he didn't have run support back in the day. Um, Yes, I would definitely take that. But is that realistic? Do we really think that that's what he's going to be? I don't know. I need to see it. I I do, too, because he hasn't done it over a whole season. But if he can consistently do that, he doesn't need to have the 0.89 ERA in the second half of the season. It'd be great, though, Uh, if he wants to go ahead and do that. I'm not going to stop him. But. My my preference would actually be to see the same guy every every day. If he gives me six or seven innings and he gives me a quality start, if six or seven innings, three or I guess seven innings, three or fewer runs, if I could get that every day, every start from Jack Flaherty, I would be thrilled. Mm-hmm. And that's a four and a half ERA, by the way, six innings and three or fewer earned runs. So I would take that. Now, you mentioned... Adam Wainwright being spectacular last year, and he was for the Cardinals. He was 5-3 and three with a 3.15, and most importantly, he made every start that he could make. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of shutouts. The year before that, he made 31 starts. In 2018, he made only 8. In 2017, he missed 8 starts. He made 24. Uh, actually, only made 23, so he, he probably missed 9 starts. Uh, And then you have to go back to 2016 when he was 34 years old, when he made 33 starts. And 2015, as we know, he had the Achilles injury and was out. So that's my question. Over the course of the last six years, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, almost no season, full season. Partial season, almost no season. Full season and then truncated season. Is he going to give you the full season or is he going to give you the almost nothing season or part of a season? You don't know. It's a big, big question, and it's a fair question. And you'd like to think that you're going to see Adam Wainwright do what he did last season for the entirety of the 2021 season. But can you really, even even though he's given you right now, based on what you saw last season and what we are seeing in spring training, no reason to doubt him. Can you really feel 100% confident that you're going to get that through the entirety of this season? I can't. I can't either. No. Here's why I feel good about the Cardinals starting pitching, even though Adam Wainwright may or may not be what we hope that he will be. Starting pitching has changed. Starting pitching is a five-inning endeavor now. I do think that Carlos Martinez can be a five-inning pitcher in 20 out of 30 starts if he's there and he's healthy and he's showing all the signs of being healthy. But even if he only gives you 20 starts and gives you 13 where he gives you five innings with a chance to win. I would take that. Do I think Gant can do that on a regular basis? 20 out of 30 starts, he gives you a chance to win by going four and, four and two-thirds, five innings. I think he can. Do I think Ponslet De Leon can do that? I do. Do I think Woodford can do that? I, I do. And then you get to the kids, and then you're going to have to cobble something together with your bullpen mm-hmm. because you aren't going to get those innings out of the Libertors and Zach Thompsons and Oviedos of the world. But... I think there are enough arms there to get you to the bullpen with a chance to win games. Agreed. They could put together the puzzle to get it done. I also feel confident in some of these younger guys coming up and having success because of who's behind the dish and Yadier Molina. We've yeah. seen that time and time again where he calls a great game for them. He gives them the confidence needed to go out there and to be productive. And I think that that's part of the reason the Cardinals have been so successful from a starting pitching standpoint for so many years is because they have Yadier Molina to guide these guys. So that certainly gives me more confidence that they can get it done. Now, would we all prefer 
that the Cardinals have, the starting rotation of the 2017 Astros or the 2018 Washington Nationals, yes, we would. But that's just not realistic. That, Especially with the Cardinal payroll and where the money is spent, that's not going to happen. So are you going to have a situation where you have a Verlander and a Morton and a McCullers and a, uh, and then when Washington played Houston in that World Series, that sort of starting pitching depth that those two teams enjoyed in that year is the aberration now. Teams just aren't going to have three pitchers that give you seven innings like we got on a regular basis in the mid-80s or even from Tony's teams. It's just not going to happen anymore. So we have to understand, we have to get it through our heads that the the seven, seven and two-thirds innings pitcher on a regular basis is not a thing anymore. The the five-inning pitcher is here and probably here to stay. And doesn't that give you a little bit more confidence when you look at this starting rotation that you have confidence yeah. in the bullpen and you have confidence in the other arms that you have on this team to put together a complete win? I do. Absolutely. I don't think that there's any doubt that the Cardinals, with the number of pitchers they have that can start a game right now, it's still sitting at 10 even though you don't have Austin Gomber anymore. Yeah, I'm very confident that the Cardinals, with their offense, the the top of their order being better than it was, yeah, I think that there's absolutely a chance that the uh, starting pitching will be more than enough. So there you have it. The burning question is, is the starting pitching depth going to be enough for the Cardinals? I say yes. Your answer is? Yes. And we want to hear from you. We're going to revisit this coming up at 8.15 with your answer to eight burning questions. Number two, is the Cardinals starting pitching depth enough for the Cardinals to win the division this year? By the way, no team in this division, whether it's the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, the Pirates, none of them have the number of people capable of giving you one of those five-inning starts that as the Cardinals. Nobody has as many guys capable of doing that as the Cardinals do. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, it is time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle and Randy with you. And Michelle, I picked Creighton to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and now they have advanced to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1974. They've always had a very good program. When they were in the Valley here, they were one of, if not the shining light program of the St. Louis-based Missouri Valley Conference. Take it or leave it, if Creighton and Wichita State would have stayed in the Valley with the emergence of Loyola, the Valley would be considered the best mid-major conference in America. Oh, you have to take it. I think so. For sure. Yeah, with the the fact that those teams have been to Final Fours Mm -hmm. with Wichita State and Loyola both making it to Final Fours and Creighton being consistently solid as they are, I'm with you. I think over the course of the last decade... The Valley has lost a couple of teams that could have made it the top mid-major conference. What's your Final Four looking like right now? Because I had three Big Ten teams in my Final Four, and they're all out. They're all out, Randy. That is so disappointing. It's such a bummer. I still have number one Gonzaga. I still have number one Baylor, and I still have number one Michigan, and I lost number one Illinois. I had Iowa, Ohio State, Illinois, and Alabama. Wow. So... 
Go Bama? <laughs> Roll Tide? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Okay, Randy. So yesterday in the Angels, or excuse me, on Saturday in the Angels A's spring training game in Arizona, A's catcher Sean Murphy hit a rope down the third baseline, and an Angels fan was in the stand, and he saw the ball coming towards him, and he put up his beer as a shield. Now, I don't know if you've seen some of these pictures that are out there on the Internet, but they are amazing because you see the ball hitting the can and exploding everywhere. So, naturally, people were thinking about this guy. Those beers are not cheap, Randy. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, he wasn't injured. But the poor guy lost his beer <laughs> in, in the middle of this moment. So, what did the Angels do? They send the guy four more beers and a bag and an autographed Mike Trout bat. How awesome is that? Awesome. So, take, take it or leave it. Not a bad day at the ballpark. Not at all. No, you lose a beer, but you wind up with a net plus three and a bat. And an autographed Mike Trout bat. Yeah. If you're an Angels fan, that's probably pretty great. Very and you have nice. a story for Forever. Right. Yeah. And the photo to prove it. And you didn't get injured. <laughs> right. <laughs> Your text 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 636, take it or leave it. The Blues need to avoid Vegas in the first round of the playoffs. I'll take that. Well, I'll definitely take that. But I also think, and we'll see, they need to avoid Colorado, too. And maybe Minnesota. <laughs> There's a lot of teams <laughs> that you want to dodge. Yeah. But especially Vegas. Right. Yeah. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Cards will trade Carp to a non-contending American League team and pay a good part of his contract. It's what's best for the team and for Carp. Leave it because is that going to be best for a non-contending team to prevent somebody, a young player, from getting an opportunity while Matt Carpenter hits 100 for you? Yeah, I was just thinking what would be the, the hook there for a non-contending team to bring Matt Carpenter yeah. on board. And I wonder if he, with his no-trade provision, would accept a deal to a non-contending team. Oh, good point. And the Dexter Fowler deal, he was productive for the Cardinals last year. He knows Joe Madden. Mm-hmm. There was there was a lot of things working in both parties' favors right. in that deal. From the 314, take it or leave it, this year's March Madness has been the most exciting since Butler made the finals. I'll let you start with that, Michelle. I'm going to go ahead and leave it. This has been the worst March Madness <laughs> in 16 years, personally. <laughs> I am actually going to take it because of all the upsets. I think it's been madness. And the fact that everybody's brackets are busted is actually not that Illinois is out. That would still be good. But the fact that so many unexpected teams have stepped to the fore, I think, is great. And the way it works is with madness. Ordinarily, you wind up getting the top teams at the end anyway. And that's probably the way it's going to work out. If I didn't have a team that I loved that was supposed to win, get bounced early, I would have loved this tournament. Absolutely loved it. I'm intrigued by UCLA being back in the Sweet 16. I know. There's a lot of intriguing storylines. There really is. From the 314, take it or leave it, the officiating is playing too big of a role in the tournament. We could argue that every year. I'm going to leave it. I don't think so. Every, Every team, I'm sure, has some sort of gripe with officiating. Right. All the time. All the time. From the 618, take it or leave it. This is Matt Carpenter's last year playing Major League Baseball. I'm going to take that, Michelle. I'm going to take it, too, because I don't I don't see a way out. I don't or I don't see a way through, I should say. No, because he's not going to play enough to show other teams that they should give him an opportunity next year. From the 618, take it or leave it. Double digit seated teams study their opponents more than other teams do. Uh, I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I'm going to leave that too. The thing that coaches make their money in the tournament. Yeah. And 
from Sunday night to when you play your first game, normally on Thursday or Friday, those coaches are watching tape, teaching their players what the tendencies of the opposition are. And what makes the coaches that make a ton of money great are the guys that have one day to prepare. So you've got from Thursday afternoon to Saturday night to prepare your team for your next game. And your scouts have already gone through everything, but you haven't introduced any of this to your players. So you have maybe 36 hours to introduce your players to this. And that's why people like Krzyzewski, people like Roy Williams, people like Patino over the years have been so good because they and their staffs have the ability to get their team prepared in a short amount of time. And I don't think if a lower-seeded team pulls the upset, it's because they prepared more. Maybe they had a better game plan, but mm-hmm. I don't think that it's in any way the, the number one-seeded team or the higher-ranked team resting on their laurels. I think, you know, like we saw with Loyola and Illinois, mm-hmm. they just had a better game plan. Yeah, and they, they did. They executed it to perfection. I don't think Illinois went into that game in any way, shape, or form thinking that it was going to be an easy matchup. And sometimes basketball players have off games. And Io had a bad game. Mm-hmm. But credit to Loyola for containing him. Absolutely. And smothering yeah. him. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm proud of you there. No, it's true. They they played a better game. <laughs> they it did. was a clinic. It was <laughs> unbelievable. From the 618, take it or leave it. Colton Pareko is not playing again this year. Take it. I'm going to leave that. I love your attitude. Hmm. I'm taking it. Did you see the video of him in practice yesterday? But still, I, I don't know. He was skating. He was in front of the net. It was He, he was... With the taxi squad. Don't you think they're going to be very careful with him, though? They are. So rather than one week, it'll be two weeks. Okay. I hope he's, I hope that you're right. He's coming back, baby. I love that attitude. But skating with the team and looking good on tape skating is not playing a game. They're going to do everything they can. Might even take a little, uh, I don't know, painkiller or something to get him <laughs> back in there. Some help. It's only a back. Only a back. Yeah, you can... If you, if you Only don't, a back. If you don't feel it, you can bend over and skate. Can you? I don't know. If you can't feel it? <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Chris Carpenter couldn't feel his face. That's true. What a warrior. <laughs> he battled through. From the 573, take it or leave it. Bennington will not be a St. Louis Blue by the end of his contract, whether it be by buyout or by trade. Leave it. You think he's here the full six? I do. I, th- I think so, too. I think the ownership is going to be here for the full six. I wouldn't be surprised if the GM was here for the whole six. And you've got a Stanley Cup championship goalie mm-hmm. that is still playing very well for you. And who do you, is Ville Husso going to pass him up? Maybe you draft a guy, I don't know, and get lucky. But I don't think that you're moving Jordan Bennington. I think the Blues signed him with the express idea of keeping him here for the next six years. Agreed. From the 314, take it or leave it. Due to the injury bug, the Blues will miss the playoffs entirely. Leave it. I'm going to leave it, too. I think they make the playoffs. Now, how far they go in the playoffs, TBD. But I don't have as much faith in them going deep into the playoffs as I did earlier in the season. But I still think they make it. And here's the thing. Even though the Blues are playing Minnesota, Colorado, Vegas a little, mostly Minnesota and Colorado, the Kings and Coyotes and Sharks and Ducks are going to be knocking each other off below them. And none of those teams are that good. That They're going to be able, even if the Blues play 500 hockey, I don't see the Kings being able to make a move where they would be able to overtake the Blues. Five points behind right now with, let's see, 31, 41, 51, 25 games left. I don't see them going on that sort of a run. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. 
And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, we want to hear from you with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature in the 101 ESPN app. If you are in the shoes of John Mozalock, Mike Gersh, Mike Schilt, what do you do? And this is what you would do. What you would do, Joe Smith or uh, John Jones. It's what you would do if you're in their shoes with Matt Carpenter. That's next. You're next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 8.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we do need to hear from you with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature, the 101 ESPN app. You're in the shoes. You are John Mozeliak or Mike Gersh. Well, put yourself in the shoes of Mo because he's got the juice in the organization. That's right. So, and he's probably got really nice shoes. Yeah, really. Mo, Gersh, or Schilt. You're, you're a team, okay? So you're getting together with the team and you're saying, guys, we love Matt Carpenter. Great guy. Great guy. Great contract this year, $18.5 million, great contract for him. But he is hitting 034 this spring, and he's one for 29. So what do we do about this situation? And, Michelle, this is uh, – it's a tough situation for the Cardinals. It's not as easy as we might think it is with a guy that is hitting uh, 034, one for 29 so far this spring. Because he does have the contract, and he is well-liked, and – has earned a lot of respect in that clubhouse over the years. Absolutely. And I think from the Cardinals perspective, he's not going to be at third base every day. So the amount of time that they're going to use him is already limited. So they can justify it in one way or another. But when you have someone like Nagowski, who's having an awesome spring and you want to find a spot for him on the team and you compare it to Carpenter, who is making a lot of money. But as you mentioned, one for 29. With seven strikeouts. With seven strikeouts. Or, I'm sorry, 13 strikeouts. Thir- I was going to say Thir- that seems 13, low. Yeah. 13 strikeouts. That's not great. And I I know the money is owed to him. I know what kind of a presence he is in the clubhouse, but this has been one of mine and many other people's biggest gripes with the Cardinals throughout the years is that they do play the contract and they don't play necessarily the best person for the job all the time. And if they really want to win, and the way that I look at it is if I'm the Cardinals and I have gone out there and I've invested in Nolan Arenado, I have said to myself and to my fan base, we are opening a window to win. We're opening a window to win. And I don't care about feelings. I don't care about good contracts versus bad contracts. If you play well, you're going you're going to get the nod. I don't I don't want to play the politics. If you play and you produce then you're in. John Nagoski hitting 391 this spring. A homer leads the team with 10 RBIs, an OPS of 1.055. He's produced at the minor league level. So what do you have to say? Here is a mic drop from, from Aaron on 101 ESPN. With Carpenter, it really shouldn't be as difficult as we're making it. We can have multiple thoughts at the same time. You can acknowledge that Nagowski is playing really well and deserves to be on the team while also acknowledging that maybe Carpenter just doesn't have anything left in the tank. You know, he's been struggling for a couple of years now. This isn't just one bad spring training. Maybe it's time to cut him loose. Very well said. And I have thought for some time, going back to last year, because I did have hope going into last year, certainly. I saw him in spring training and I thought he looked terrific. But... 
it, the physical abilities have clearly diminished dramatically. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is just time to cut a guy who just doesn't look like he can hit anymore loose. This is a guy who is the biggest knock on him sometimes is that he works yep. too hard. So if there was an a fix physically to what has ailed him from an offensive standpoint, he would have found it. He would have been able to work through it at this point. That's at least the way I look at it. And I'm not him. I'm not in the training room with him every day. But I would think if it was something that that could be worked through, the guy who works the hardest would have found the solution already. Here is Jason next with a mic drop. If you're worried about Carpenter's $18 million contract and his role as a leader in the clubhouse, just keep him as a bench coach. It's going to be a lot less painful than the production on the field. And you can put Nagowski on the team. Problem solved. Well, you can keep him around, Michelle, like you did with Adam Wainwright when he was hurt. But you have a bench coach in Ali Marmol, and you don't want to set the precedent that you're paying your coaches $18.5 million. Definitely not. (laughs) I would imagine you'd have a couple guys knocking on John Mosaic's door asking for a raise if that was the case. But I also think, doesn't this just circle back to what I was saying about about playing the politics and playing the emotions of Mm -hmm. this? and, and at the at the end of the day, Randy, you're paying him that money anyway, whether he's producing or not, whether he's on the team or not, you're going to owe him that money. So wouldn't you rather just cut your losses well, and say it was a great run while it was there? Thank you for the salsa and the memories. And we appreciate you on so many levels, but it just it's not working out. Yeah. It's not as easy as cutting Brett Cecil last year. If Correct. the two were making the same amount of money, Nobody liked Brett Cecil. He, I'm not. They didn't know Brett Cecil. Brett Cecil sat and played video games in the clubhouse. He, Brett Cecil wasn't a key part of the team. He was never a key part of a good Cardinal team. Matt Carpenter's been a top ten MVP guy a couple of years. He yes. was a, the best player on a World Series team. So it, this is different. And like you said, they have a ton of respect for him. They had to put him on the DL one time because. And now they call it the IL, but they they put him on the the DL at that time because of exhaustion, because he was working himself too hard. Yes. Going back to what you were talking about. He actually had to go on the disabled list because he exhausted himself. He's been a great member of the organization. He has represented this this team and his teammates and our city in an amazing way. So many people have an affinity and an affection for Matt Carpenter. I don't like having this conversation about him. I want him to succeed. But at the end of the day, this is a results based business and he i think would be the first person to tell you that too here is larry next up with a mic drop on 101 great show guys what i would do with carp would be the same thing to do with brett cecil when they owed him a lot of money he would go on the injured reserve list list with a strained hamstring still could hang around the club and be support and we could replace him with somebody who's going to produce that's what i would do with carp you can find an injury. A couple of years ago, the Dodgers still had Scott Casimir around, and he's back in baseball somewhere. I think he pitched overseas last year. But their diagnosis of Scott Casimir when he was on the, the uh, injured list a couple of years ago was working on velocity. That was it. That was his injury. Working, working on, on velocity. velocity. <laughs> <laughs> so if the Dodgers can do that, I don't know why the Cardinals can't say working on bad speed or something That's like that. incredible. Working <laughs> on velocity. Okay. At least they're honest. Yeah. We've got one more mic drop. Uh, this is from Mark. I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV, 
but I have a prognosis that if Matt Carpenter doesn't find his swing, he is going to have a recurrence of that lower back injury and spend the rest of the season on the injured list. Randy, I could see that. That back injury has been pesky for him. It really has. And that slows your bat speed down. It does. We're getting so many texts on this, as you can imagine. Here's some from the 314. The Cardinals need to write Matt Carpenter a check and show him the door to the coach's room. And, oh, by the way, that check, I said $18.5 million. He also gets a $2 million buyout. He's got an option for next year. So the check would be for $20.5 million. That is not a small amount. Not a small amount at all. This one, Randy, is from Steve. He says, if I were Gersh and Moe, I would release Carpenter after the season if he does not come back to half of the form that he was three years ago. And that's pretty telling. Half of the form that he was three years ago. Yeah, but if he could get to that, that would be 18 home runs. We would take that. But I think he he's gotten to the point it's gone so far left that we're yeah. not even asking for him to return well, to form we're asking for half of the right. form and, and let's be honest about this from the Cardinals perspective if they had any confidence at all that he was going to bounce back as great as Nolan Arenado is when you have that sort of investment in him as a third baseman and you think that he has a chance to play do you trade five players and take on the Arenado contract I don't think you do even if the Rockies are sending as great some money as back? Is. Yeah, but it's, you're still paying him $25 million a year. He's still the highest paid player that the Cardinals have ever had. Yeah, that's true. So, so likely no. No, here's the thing. The Cardinals, they aren't generally inclined to have an $18.5 million bench player. <laughs> I guess I can put it that way. That's a good way to phrase it. Uh, this one from the 314, Randy. I would thank him for his service to the team, tell him what a great player he's been, and then I would DFA him. Yep, you could do that. And whether it's the injured list or designating him for assignment, you, you can't have him on your active roster. Not if not if you are telling the other players in that clubhouse and your fans that are going to be spending money again that you're putting the, the most competitive group in your dugout every single night. That's got to be such a difficult position for him to be in, too, because the veteran guys obviously are tight with him, but they know the deal. They mm-hmm. know that he doesn't have it anymore. Right. And he, I'm sure, doesn't want to be seen as, for lack of a better term, a charity case, that he's just there because of what he has been or what he means to the team. And what kind of message does that send to the younger players who are out there grinding and producing and aren't getting a spot because of you and your contract and maybe you're standing with the team? It's I can't imagine that that's a comfortable position for him to be in. You're John Nagoski, and you've worked your butt off in the minors for seven or eight years. You're 28 years old, and you have this spring. Yes. And the guy that's hitting 034 is going to get the roster spot ahead of you, and you're hitting 391. With It's a legit 391. It's not just balls falling in. He's hitting the ball hard. He's slugging. He's doing everything that they're asking. So I don't know how... And I know that big, big league baseball isn't fair. So, uh, but how in fairness do the Cardinals not put Nagoski on the roster? Yeah. How can you look at this player who has definitely earned this? He has earned this shot in this spot and tell him that he doesn't get the nod. I wouldn't want to have that conversation. I wouldn't either. This one from the 618. Even though Carp's getting paid big time money, send him down to AAA when the season starts for a while to get his swing back and clear his head. It will also relieve the pressure and constant nag from the media. He has the choice of going to the minors or not. I, I, I don't know if he would. I mean, you've had 
you've got a pretty good track record now of what he is not. And he had a bad year last year. He he really, if you go back, Michelle, let me just make sure I have this correct about Matt. I believe that he's had two good months in his last three years of baseball. 2018, he had those two months where and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll say he had half a good season when he hit the 36 home runs. But primarily it was two good months. Bad in 2019, 226. Uh, he, he just never really got it going. And then even worse last year and now this spring. So basically since the start of the 2018 season, the guys had two good months. And I know one season was truncated, but still, it's it's about time to recognize that it's just not there anymore. Okay, I have two more for you, Randy. From the 314, what about personal accountability? Maybe he should see this in himself and retire. It's easy for us to say, but there is $20 million on the table. And what professional athlete, if they know that they're going to have a shot to turn it around, is really going to give that up? Only Andrew Luck. Only Andrew Luck, who is as rare of a bird as they come. Totally. I still can't believe he did that. I can't either. I thought he was going to retire and then be back immediately. But he is different. He he always was, too. He always talked about things that interested him outside of football and things that he was learning and what his plan would be after football. So while it shouldn't have been all that surprising, the timing of it was just shocking. And then one more for you, Randy, from the 314. Can we restructure to a Bonilla-style agreement for MARP? You could, but I don't know that the Cardinal front office would want to do that. And it might be that MARP would, although this is a hell of a deal for Bonilla, but MARP (laughs) might want the money now. You have to have the player agree to it as well. But that deal with Bonilla was made because Steve Phillips was the general manager at the time. And he owed Bonilla all this money, and he wanted to go get another player. But he didn't have the money in his budget. So he knew he wasn't going to be around when Bobby Bonilla's new contract, his deferred money, started. Which, by the way, goes longer than Fernando Tatis's contract. Wow. And Fernando Tatis signed for 13 years. Wow. So he said, okay, we'll give you a million dollars a year for 25 years, but it starts 20 years down the road, or 10 years down the road. And... Bonilla said, fine. And Phillips knew he wasn't going to be around to, to pay that million dollars a year. So he was able to save that money, go get another player that he wanted. And that's how the Bobby Bonilla deal came around. Maybe the DeWitt family would say, well, it's not going to matter. Mo could certainly do it and say, I'm not going to be around in, in 10 years when this thing starts. So they could do that. I just don't know. That's just so abnormal in baseball. I, I, I don't know that that would be something that either side would want to do. I think it'd be easier for both sides, actually, just to if they're going to split, just do it. Just give the guy the money and run. Take it or leave it. Mo will be around in 10 years. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. he might. Yeah, I think so, too. Thanks very much for your mic drops and your texts. Coming up, we want to hear more from you. Our question today, among eight burning questions, is number two. Are you comfortable with the Cardinals' starting pitching depth? Is that going to be enough to get them a division title? You are next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. You have 
provided such great reaction to our Matt Carpenter conversation so that we're going to continue it now. You can send us text 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. Or you can send us mic drops. And we do have a few more mic drops as well. Brittany, how much do you think the decline of Matt Carpenter has to do with the shift? It seems like the shift just killed him. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And there's a couple of things that go into it. Obviously, his declining skill. I think Brad Thompson describes it best. His bat looks like he's swinging underwater. He just doesn't have the bat speed that he once had. But I actually asked Matt about this, about how he's pitched and how much difficult it is to hit the other way. Because when he hit the 55 doubles, he was a gap-to-gap hitter in 2013. It was left center, right center. And I asked him how much more difficult it is to try to hit the other way now as opposed to five or six years ago. And he said, first of all, he said a great question, and I raised my hands like I scored a touchdown. But he said, when I was hitting all those doubles, I could look for, and this is the way the Cardinals pitch too, I could look for a sinker or a cutter away and just kind of drop it into left field. I could serve one into left field. He said the pitching game has changed so much with everybody throwing 95 and pitchers have given up on low pitches that you do hit the other way. Everybody's pitching up in the up in the zone and specifically up and in. You've got these guys that are throwing 95 up and in, throwing strikes, but that's an impossible pitch to hit the other way. So what's his adjustment? It's to try to pull the ball. Nobody shifts against right-handed hitters because you, you can't throw somebody out from short left field, right? So it's right left-handed hitters that are pull hitters that are being victimized most by the shift. So pitching doesn't allow him to go the other way anymore. So he's trying to, he has no choice. If he's going to hit the ball, he's going to pull the ball. And everybody's putting their second baseman in short right field, in front of the right fielder. It's a one hopper every single time. And that's why he and the rules won't be enacted quickly enough for him to benefit. But if they had the rule now that they're talking about using in the minors where uh, an infielder had to have his feet on the dirt, Mm -hmm. if if he couldn't have his feet on the grass of the outfield, that would have benefited Matt Carpenter greatly. And there is no hitter that has been more affected because of the combination of the lack of bat speed and the lack of power, Cody Bellinger can hit it over the wall. Uh, some of the great left-handed hitters, Juan Soto can hit it over the wall. Anthony Rizzo can hit it over the wall. Carpenter can't do that anymore. He's hitting that one hopper into short right that ordinarily would have been a base hit before, but now winds up being a ground out 4-3. So to your point, yes, the shift has affected him dramatically. And by the way, pitching, uh, I, I had never thought of it until I watched him taking that bat this spring about the way he's pitched. And I, I, we had talked about it, I think, the day before on the show. Well, why didn't he just hit the other way? Then you watch the way he's pitched and you say, how the hell is he going to hit the other way? Right. The way he's pitched, there's no way you can hit the ball the other way. So it seems like for him, just a perfect storm. It really is. And we have more mic drops. Douglas joins Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Guys, we got to get him in the room and we got to convince him to retire. Let him retire, Cardinal. Let him retire without being cut. But we see it happen all the time in other sports. We see guys retire right at the beginning of the season, sometimes middle of the season, because they understand the tank's empty. His tank is empty. We've been watching it for years. At this point, he's ending his career very sadly. Let him retire. Douglas, even though the tank wasn't empty for Ozzie Smith, That was the approach that the Cardinal organization took with Ozzie. 
And so even the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest Cardinals of all time, they said, we would like for you to retire. And he did. You can do that with players. That's not a bad thought at all. Do you think he would be open to that? It's a great question. I don't know. We don't know him personally. Only he knows the answer to that. But I always think about the ego of a professional athlete. And I don't mean that in a in a braggadocious way. No, the athletic ego, it's the a athle- good thing. The athletic ego of a professional athlete is a good thing because you have to convince yourself that you are able to do things physically that other people just cannot do because you've been able to do it your entire life. And especially if you're a Matt Carpenter and you're looking at your teammates and Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina who are older and are still performing at a high level mm-hmm. and you're putting the work in day in and day out, you probably think at some point you're going to be able to turn it around. If I could just get X amount of at-bats, I'd be able to turn it around. And maybe deep in his heart of hearts, he knows I've gone, what was it, Randy? One, one for one 30. For 29. One for 29, hitting 034. He, he knows that it's not great. But the ego of a professional athlete doesn't give up so right. easily. Exactly. Let's get a uh, mic drop from John. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. John Mosellock and the Cardinals are going to have to own this contract. Matt Carpenter has been a good Cardinal. He probably will get a red jacket, and he can teach young players how to be a good Cardinal. And who knows? Maybe this year some team will throw a soft-tossing right-handed pitcher against the Cardinals, and Matt Carpenter can go four for four against them with two home runs. That's what he needs. He needs that soft-tossing right-hander that's going to throw him the sinker away that will allow him to just... Like we said, serve it the other way or maybe hit a couple of doubles. He, he did go on that hot streak in Chicago a few years ago, and one of those pitchers was Kyle Hendricks. Maybe a save for Hendricks and Zach Davies. Maybe that's your secret weapon against the Cubs. But John made a point about the contract that was signed after the 36 home run season of 2018. Signed it on April 10th of 2019, and there was no good reason to give him that contract. They yeah. had him for two years of control. Yeah, wh- Why? Why then? Yeah, I I don't know. Because he was the Cardinals were really averse to signing guys well beyond their 30s anyway at right. that point. And they knew he was going to be 34, 35. And yes, he was coming off a great run, but it just seemed very unnecessary. I remember when we when the news came down that they were signing Matt Carpenter to that deal, a lot of people went, "Really?" Mhm. Okay. Yeah. It was just kind of weird. Let's get another mic drop. This is Matthew There's one thing left that Matt Carpenter hasn't tried. It's time to cut the beard. Shave it off. Hmm. See if that magic helps. If that doesn't work, say la vie. Uh, All right, Michelle, you pay more attention to this than me. Uh, What do you think of shaving the beard? Well, I did find it intriguing that there was mention of him potentially wearing batting gloves this season. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe that could, (laughs) you know, turn the tides a little bit. I don't know if the beard really holds that much juju. 2013, when he was fifth in MVP voting, he either had just a little scruff or no beard at all. Really? Yep. Okay, well, maybe there is something to this. Yeah. not the He didn't have the long beard then. And if you're a guy who... I'm, I did a Google image search, so fun. figured that out. Love that. Thanks. If you're a guy who went on an MVP-type run because of salsa then shaving the beard seems like an easy fix. It really does. Or at least an easy try.
<laughs> hey, we do appreciate your bike drops to 101 ESPN and your text to the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up, we have the fight for you with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It is time for the fight where Randy challenges a listener in a sports trivia competition. And that listener today is Eric. What's up, Eric? How's your morning so far? Hey, Michelle. My morning is okay. Uh, I'm still recovering from the Illini loss and my bracket being wrecked. But, you know, otherwise I'm all right. We share that, Eric. We share that pain. (laughs) Now, are you an Illini fan or did you just pick them to win? I have been an Illini fan since about 2005 when they made that deep run and lost to North Carolina. So you've waited a long time, just like I have for a team like this, only to have your heart ripped out and shattered yet again. Yes. Yes. It's very sad. (laughs) It is, Eric. But you know what? That's why we love sports, because you if they would have won it all, think about how sweet it would have tasted. You know, the the bitterness and the despair comes with the joy. I was a long suffering Ravens fan until they won the Super Bowl. So I I get that. A Ravens fan. How did you become a Ravens fan? Uh, you know, I didn't really have a team because we moved around a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, I like their colors on Madden with my brothers. So <laughs> well, there you go. That's as good of a reason as any, Eric. <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. Well, let's get the fight going today. Good luck. Question number one for you. Chris Paul became the sixth player in NBA history to reach 10,000 assists on Sunday. Who is the all-time leader in assists? Is it Jason Kidd, John Stockton, or Steve Nash? Jason Kidd. The Blues played the Golden Knights in Vegas last night. Who was the Golden Knights' first overall pick in the 2017 expansion draft? Was it Calvin Pickard, Jonathan Marchessault, or Cody Eakin? Uh, Let's go Marchessault. Happy 29th birthday to Nets guard Kyrie Irving. What country was Kyrie Irving born in? Is it the United States, Japan, or Australia? Um, I'm going to say Japan. And happy 42nd birthday to St. Charles native Mark Burley, who was his perfect game thrown against on July 23rd, 2009. Was it the Tampa Bay Rays, the Texas Rangers, or the Chicago White Sox? White Sox. All right, let's check our score here. Randy is on his way back in. Eric, who did you have Illinois playing in the national championship game? Gonzaga. Okay, well, at least they're still alive. At least half your brain yeah. is still alive. Yeah, that's only one of my final four is still there, and that's it. Me too. Did you have three other Big Ten teams? Uh, I did, yeah. So did I. So did I. The Big Ten yep. just really destroyed us this year. Should have been in, <laughs> on that Pac-12 bandwagon. Oh, you, yeah, Randy. That's exactly yeah, what I, I should have done. Everybody was. Big, I'm a big Pac-12 hoops girl. Uh, Randy, say what's up to Eric. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you. Also an Illini fan. Also picked them to win the national championship. ILL? Indeed. I and I. I and I, Randy. <laughs> we can still give you an I and I, even though we're bummed out. 
Randy, yeah. Chris Paul became the sixth player in NBA history to reach 10,000 assists on Sunday. Mm. Who was the all-time leader? All-time leader. I believe it's still John Stockton. I'm going to go with him. The Blues played the Golden Knights in Vegas last night. Mm. Who was the Golden Knights' first overall pick in the 2017 expansion draft? 2017 expansion draft. Um, I'll do the lifeline here. Okay, your choices are Calvin Pickard, Jonathan Marchessault, or Cody Eakin. Hmm. Good. <laughs> I will go with, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't think it was a goaler because they took goalies later. Um, when they took Flurry, they, they knew they were going to take Flurry. So Marchessault or Eakin? I'm going to go with Marcia so simply because he's younger. Happy 29th birthday to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie! I knew that you were celebrating Kyrie's birthday oh, today, yeah. Randy. What country was Kyrie born in? I have no idea. So I will go with uh, UK. And happy 42nd birthday to St. Charles native Mark Burley. Hey. Who was his perfect game thrown against on July 23rd, 2009? Ooh, Dwayne Wise caught the, had the final catch. I'm thinking either Tampa or Detroit. And let me just go through. I wish I could think of who hit that ball. Um... Okay, I'm going to change here. I'm going to go Minnesota. I'll go with the Tigers. Wow. This was one of our more interesting fights. Emily, please ring the bell. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Eric, Randy beat you, but barely. He got one correct. You got zero. Uh, (laughs) This was a tough uh, fight from Emily today. Randy, you got one correct, and you took home the victory. Let's reveal the answer. So the all-time assist leader in the NBA is John Stockton, 15,806. Calvin Pickard was the Golden Knights' Mm. first overall pick in the 2017 expansion draft. Kyrie Irving, I'm surprised, Randy, that you didn't know this. If you're celebrating Kyrie's birthday today, he was born in Australia, in Melbourne, Australia. Hmm. And Mark- that's, that's the area of the world, by, by the way, where you drive far enough and you just fall off the edge. Oh, that's where. Yeah. Oh, so that's how he knows. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not YouTube. Flat. Okay. Yeah. No. So uh, Mark Burley threw his perfect game on July 23rd, 2009 against the Tampa Bay Rays. It was Tampa. Okay. It was Tampa. We it was the 18th perfect, yeah. perfect game in baseball history. Eric, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you both. Thank you, Eric. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, where it is 841. Coming up next, the NFL draft is getting closer. And the question is, will the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, be big enough to be an impact player in the NFL? That and more about the National Football League next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and we saw how dominant Devontae Smith was down the stretch and in the college football playoff. 
He won the Heisman Trophy. And even though Jamar Chase of LSU, who, by the way, was the best receiver for the national champions of the year before, even though he missed the season, he opted out. Many mock drafts have Jamar Chase going ahead of Devontae Smith. Why? Well, because the Heisman Trophy winner only weighs 170 pounds. And ordinarily, that's not big enough. And teams like to have a bigger, more sturdy receiver, especially if you're going to take the receiver that high. Michelle, I, I think the guy can get to 180, 182, 185 pounds and still be great. I don't think you can go wrong with either of these two or with Jalen Waddle from Alabama. But the way the NFL is played these days... I don't have a problem if I'm the Jets and I don't trade Sam Darnold and I'm not taking a quarterback. I don't have any problem at all with Devontae Smith being the second pick in the draft. I don't either. We've we've seen what he's capable of. 2020, 117 receptions, 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns. He was clearly a special and a dominant player. And I don't necessarily have a problem with his weight. And I and I'm not sure that NFL teams would either, given what he's been able to do at the at the college level, playing against the most elite teams. And I'm sure Randy, most NFL teams too, are thinking, well, we just need to get him into our gym with our trainers, and we can bulk him up. How how many NFL teams think, well, well, we'll get him 10 extra pounds, 15 extra pounds over the course of however many months? Yeah, he's going to be able to put on weight. Isaac Bruce, when he was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams back in, back in 1994, he weighed 172 and wound up getting to about 192 with the Rams and obviously being Isaac Bruce. And some guys... It really doesn't matter because they never get hit. Right. How elusive was this guy that he never, even against the best defenses in the country, he never took a hit. Absolutely. He he is that fast, that elusive, that I don't think he's going to have to deal with that a lot. Another good comp, by the way, that I've seen a lot of people make is Marvin Harrison. Yep. He was 181 pounds at his combine, but when he played in the NFL, he was in the, the 170s. So I'm not worried about Devontae Smith. I'm also not worried about Jamar Chase missing a season. I guess if I was looking at these three receivers, the guy that I would be most concerned about would be Waddle because he got hurt. But you can't anticipate when you take a guy that that's what's going to happen, that he's going to be hurt. And Waddle, playing under Nick Saban... He was the number one guy until he got hurt. Devontae right. Smith was a secondary performer. Yeah, so think about how good he is that he, yeah. that he was, you know... Devontae Smith was second to and, Waddle. Yeah, people were talking about Waddle for the Heisman. Absolutely. Randy, what do you think about Devontae Smith not participating in on-field drills or any testing and saying that he wants his game tape to speak for itself? I'm fine with that. So am I. Yeah. If, if that was my game tape, I would let it speak for itself as, as well. I think the weirdest thing about the NFL is that they have this combine, and in this case, this year, pro days. They have guys in T-shirts and shorts so they don't have them wearing their 20 pounds of pads and they tie them in the 40. What good does that do? Right. You're, you're going to be running in your, in your pads in a helmet, uh, like a 15-pound helmet. So what's the point of having a guy run a regular 40-yard dash? And do you really think that if he does that, it's going to show you anything or make you feel more comfortable with selecting him than what you've already seen on game tape from him? Probably not for the not. good teams? No, not likely. <laughs> if you're a workout warrior and you're a team that loves the workout warriors, yes. 
So I, I really like the top of the draft for the receivers for our Dolphins. I, I don't think that we can go wrong with Smith or Chase. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was reading a lot about what Brian Flores had to say about Devontae Smith, and he says this guy's a really good player. You can nitpick about his size all you want, but good players are good players. You can see that. And I thought, are you saying that because you want to select him? I would I, hope so. I would think so. The 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 Tua Devontae Smith connection, that would be incredible. That's another part of it. And go back to that Alabama team. Think about the Alabama team, not from this past season, but the year before. They had all four of those guys. They had Waddle, Smith, Ruggs, and uh, I forget the name of the other one. That, but the, they had four first-round wide receivers on one team. It's almost unfair. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, But they, they're, they're going to keep turning them out, too. The NFL draft... This year in 2021 will be in Cleveland. It's going to take place April 29th to May 1st across several downtown Cleveland locations, including First Energy Stadium, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the Great Lakes Science Center. So an opportunity for fans not only to watch the draft, but to check out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think that this is interesting because I'm seeing a lot of talk from people saying, should the NFL really be doing this? Should they be having an event like this right now? But if you read some of the fine print in this, some of the stuff that they're doing is talking about vaccination. So, for instance, there's going to be an inner circle and it's going to be selected by the league's 32 teams as franchise ambassadors. But to get into the inner circle, you must be fully vaccinated. So I think the NFL is sending a pretty clear message here about vaccinations and where they stand on it. And it's also notable that aside from Roger Goodell, NFL personnel won't be in Cleveland. They can gather wherever it is deemed safe, whether it's at the team's facilities or in another location that meets local guidelines, but they are going to have the NFL people meeting in Cleveland. But I'm glad that Cleveland got a draft. I think that, that'll be pretty cool. I agree. It's kind of weird that they aren't picking in the top five in the first time in forever. Right? <laughs> it's like they get the playoff the, team. They get the draft and they're not picking high. Yeah. I also think if you're the NFL and after you had a successful Super Bowl where you had fans in the stands, you feel like you have this down to some degree and that you know the safety measures that need to be taken to execute an event like this. And now that more people are getting vaccinated and it seems like we do see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think this is probably a pretty clear indication that the NFL is going to be a full a full go once we get to game time. Yeah, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. And they, they wouldn't remember down to the wire last year with Vegas before they decided to not have the draft in Vegas yes. and do it virtually. And I thought they did, under the circumstances, a pretty good job. The, the NFL usually does a good job with stuff like that. They aren't very good at following their own rules or being <laughs> honorable. But in terms of putting on a show, they're... Well, and they did put on a show. Uh, they're they're pretty good at that. You just had to get that in there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'm not mad at it. But, yeah, I remember the <laughs> Vegas thing was supposed to be pretty cool. Remember the uh, the draft picks were supposed to be on a, a boat of some sorts, I think? Yeah, right. It was going to be a pretty big spectacle. So that was sad that it had to be virtual, but it was obviously the best decision at the time. And then a couple of other notes. Rob Gronkowski says, I could feel like I could play another season right now. He Gronk wants to start playing right now on eight, uh, March 23rd, Michelle. Great. I'm surprised that he's not more relaxed. He wins yet another Super Bowl. This is a guy who's endured a lot of physical issues in his career. You would think that he would want to chill in the offseason, but if he's ready he's to go. He's chilling. How much does that say about Tom Brady, though, and the infusion of energy that Tom Brady brings to this team? Because I'm sure that having Brady back, 
you know, retaining so many of their players on the Bucks, but knowing that Brady's out there grinding already, working away at this has probably energized somebody like Gronk, and always has. And you mentioned during the playoffs, and I, my guess is that during his career in New England, Gronk's health was never protected. But they used him lightly. Mm-hmm. They they picked their spots for using Gronkowski. They certainly don't overtax guys in practice in Tampa. Yeah. So he probably feels fresher now than he's felt since his second year in the NFL. Yeah, not only physically, but mentally. Right. Yeah, we we hear all the time, and we talked about it yesterday, about the Patriots and what a, a dark grind it can be in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. And if you're a guy like Gronk, who's obviously vivacious and loves life and seemingly still did that while you were in New England, but to be able to do that at your place of work and be able to be you 100% of the time and have fun, it's got to be pretty refreshing for him. Yeah. By the way, we still have to, uh, I have to send Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in my contacts now. Oh, he is. Great. So uh, we, we have to text him and get him. Oh, you didn't text him yet. Well, I, I texted him and asked him to come on the show, yeah. but I'm sure he was getting so many in those first couple of days that he might have just overlooked the fact that Randy was on there. <laughs> so I'll have to text him again and say, hey, Tom, when are you going to be ready? He probably has your name on a whiteboard somewhere. And it's like, oh, Randy Carricker. I've heard all the things he said about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, I'm not texting him back. I'm oh, not calling into his show. Oh, he will. Oh, he will, Michelle. You think at some point? Yeah. What would you do if he if he called and had a laundry list of the things that you had said about him? Oh, that'd be great because they're all right. And he's different now. He's changed. I give him credit for that. But what would you say? Would you sit, back it up? Oh, yeah. I would say, hey, I've got friends. I've, I've got a lot of guys. I've got Kurt Warner. I've got Marshall Falk. I've got Isaac Bruce. I've got Mike Martz. All these guys tell me that you guys cheated. So I, I said it because that's what happened, right? I would love I would pay good money to hear that conversation. It, it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to see how he would respond to the truth? I'm sure he would. <laughs> rather than that soft Boston media. I'm sure he would deflect. Probably. And one other note, you Brett mentioned this on uh, your Killing Me Smalls last week or the week that uh, Michael Brockers got traded to the Lions. You don't have this for your Killing Me Smalls today. I don't. Today, Go do ahead. Uh, Michael Brockers, who said that when the Rams acquired Matthew Stafford, that that was a level up at quarterback, said... I was really just trying to boost up the move that the team was doing and trying to make sure boost up the fan base. I don't think it was anything against Jared. I even had to go text Jared away from the camera, stuff like that. Just man to man, just man, bro. I didn't go. Uh, I didn't mean it to go like that. I didn't mean what I said. So now that he's away from Matthew Stafford and back with Jared Goff, he didn't mean that Matthew Stafford was a level up from Jared Goff. Oh, you were just trying to hype up your new quarterback and not dish your old one? Exactly. A, li- a likely excuse. <laughs> you were trying to diss him. Yeah, I think so. Gosh, that's so awkward that that goes viral. You saying it's a level up and then you, then get, you get traded, traded. It was great. to the team with your old quarterback that you dissed. But he texted him and everything's cool now. Yeah, he said, I didn't mean it, bro. That's all he had to say. Love you, bro. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Native St. Louis and MLB Network anchor Fran Charles is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Nine oh 
101 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And our friend from MLB Network, the native St. Louis and Fran Charles, kind enough to spend a few moments with us this morning. Fran, it's always good to talk to you. How you doing? Randy, Michelle, what's up, guys? How are you? Fran, we're doing well. Well, first of all, here in St. Louis, we need to ask you about the Cardinals. After the acquisition of Nolan Arenado, what are your projections for the Cardinals in the 2021 season? Let me tell you, I, I, I have not been shy about this over the last five to seven years. I mean, with all apologies to all my, my St. Louis uh, peeps, but Nolan Arenado has been my favorite player in the game to watch. I mean, I, I love this guy's approach. I mean, he'll play 150 to 160 games a year. Um, I mean, these are old school numbers, but I mean, he averages, I mean, 300 a batting average, he'll hit 30 to 35 bombs and driving 120 runs a year. Um, and no matter what new metrics you use, I mean, he's going to be in the tippy top of the, uh, you know, the, the stats. And I just love how he gets after it defensively. I mean, eight consecutive gold gloves, true two-way player. I mean, we are locked at the corners with Goldschmidt and Arnato. And I think the Cardinals should be right in the thick of it here, I mean, to, to win the NL Central. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with the rotation, um, but there's always a trade deadline, and you could, you could help yourself out a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a big bat that this lineup needed, and the park is perfect for this guy, and, and the fans are going to absolutely adore him. And Fran, aside from the spectacular shortstop play defensively of Ozzie, of Ozzie Smith, this is kind of reminiscent of the Cardinals that we grew up with, isn't it, with the defense that they're going to play? Totally agree. I mean, with the, the outfield, I mean, it, from, from a defensive perspective, I mean, hopefully we'll be on lock. Um, obviously, now we'll see what happens, I mean, from an offensive perspective. But, I mean, so far, so good. No major complaints because Dylan Carson's swinging a heavy bat in uh, spring training, so uh, we'll take that. But, you know, look, you got to go do it when the games start, which uh, I think they will. But defensively, I think uh, from an infield and outfield perspective, you got Yachty back, which is a tremendous. Obviously, the Cardinals are figuring, let, let's, let's take another run at this. So um, it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Cardinals fan. Fran, a lot of the teams within the division have a lot of questions surrounding them. So how do you see the NL Central stacking up? Well, the NL Central, it's, I think it is going to be an interesting division. I mean, it's, it, from a competitive perspective, not necessarily saying the best team is going to come out of the Central because um, the NL East is stacked. But there are question marks, but then, you know, these are also some pretty good teams. I think Milwaukee did a pretty good job. I think, obviously, I mean, hey, Colton, say whatever you want about him, but defensively, he's awesome, Colt Wong. And I think that short porch at Miller Park, in right field potentially could help him. Plus they got, you know, they got uh, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s great defensively. Lorenzo Cain didn't play last year. He's back, and Yellow just can all, you know, he's a superstar. So um, their rotation has some issues, but their bullpen is fantastic with Devin Williams um, and Josh Hader. Remember him. I mean, uh, so, and, and the Cubs, you know, everyone is, everyone's ready to, to kind, of, kind of write off the Cubs and say that they're, their reign is over, but those guys are still there. You know, that, that core is still there. Um, look for Anthony Rizzo to, to probably get an extension. He's going to be a free agent by the end of the year, but I, I just, I don't know. I can't see the Cubs letting him hit uh, free agency. So, you know, you still got, you still got Baez. Brian's still there. If these guys put together, you know, the kind of years that we think they can, 
you know, I, mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised. I mean, if 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 they were in the mix, so Reds are a question mark, but I, I don't I don't think they're they're quite as good as the, the Cardinals, Brewers, or Cubs. So it'll be competitive, and it should be fun. MLB Network's Fran Charles, a native St. Louis, and with us on 101 ESPN. And Fran, as we head towards opening day, Michelle and I have eight burning questions about the club. And today, the question is, is the starting pitching depth going to be enough for the Cardinals to get them the division title? And I think when I look, even with KK and Michaelis down, I want to get your opinion on this. I still think that their pitching, their starting pitching, will be deeper than the rest of the Central. And can that be the difference in the division? I think it can. When you look at the Cardinals starting pitching from Secaucus, New Jersey, do you see it that way? Or do you see a team in the division where you say, okay, well, they could be a threat in terms of putting together a three-game series against the Cardinals with three starting pitchers? Uh, I, I think the Cardinals right now, I think they do have you know the, the, the deepest, Rotation. It's going to be tricky, I think, for all teams. Though you know you're coming off you know that short sixty game season, so you know it's it, the one thing that will be concerning me early is just you know you just want to make sure guys you know are stretched out long enough, um, and you got to look for kind of early nagging injuries. And I know the Cardinals are going through a little bit of that. I know you know Miles is you know he's he's a little banged up a little bit, and and Kim as well. Um, but look, the bottom line is right now it's all about you know quantity. You you want to have a number of arms that you think you can throw in there, and you want to just kind of survive the first couple of months of the season to kind of see what you have. And then I think that's why I mentioned the trade deadline. You know, if I think if the Cardinals, and look, we'll see what they'll do. But I think if if the Cardinals are are definitely in it, which I kind of feel they will be three months through the season. Uh, you know, I think Mr. Mosellock and company, they'll start cooking some things up. There's a couple of pitchers, even in the division, you know, a guy like, you know, Sonny Gray would be tremendous uh, to add because I know the Reds, depending upon where they are as well, um, they seem like they're, they've kind of, you know, they, they let Bauer go. They seem like they're kind of, you, know, um, you know, moving in a different direction than what they originally planned. A lot of that is because of just financially with the pandemic, how it hit a lot of teams differently. So, um, I think I think it's kind of a wait and see approach. I, I definitely think the Brewers rotation is is lacking a little bit. Um, you know, the Cubs ended up look. They've got Zach Davies, who's a not a lot of people know about this kid, but he he'll, he'll give you innings, um, and he's a pretty good pitcher. And they got Arietta back now. He's he's not the same pitcher he was when he was in Chicago earlier, but I mean he's still Jake Arietta. So I think the Cardinals rotation as it stands right now with guys healthy is probably the best rotation. But, again, I think you just got to get through the first couple of months, see where you are, and that's why right now it's, um, you know, you, you got to make sure you have the quantity of arms. Let's hope, let's hope Carlos can kind of give us what we've seen from him in the past, you know, back in his earlier days. Adam's unbelievable. I mean, and if Miles gets healthy and, and, and Kim with Jack at the top, we should, you know, Cardinals should be good to go. Fran, a lot of people here in St. Louis keep an eye on the Angels, obviously because of the Albert Pujols connection. And it's hard to believe a franchise with Mike Trout on it hasn't made the playoffs since 2014. But do you think that this is the year the Angels are back in the postseason? You know, it's fine. That's, 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 that's a great question. I mean, because a, a lot of people are kind of on the Angels uh, bandwagon a little bit here. And, you know, I, I think it's a possibility. I think, for one, I think the AL West probably isn't going to be as competitive as what we have seen in years past. 
And for them, it's about pitching as well. I mean, in terms of if they can they can turn that corner, but they they've got a ton, a ton of uh, of arms. So we'll see what Shohei Otani can bring these guys. Just you know, kind of off the top, he's having a tremendous spring uh, offensively and defensively. But they should be better, shouldn't they? I mean, they. I mean, you know, Mike Trout is still. You know, he's a lot of people still consider him the best player in the game. But even if so, he's even if he's not the best one, two, or three. I mean, Justin Upton's out there. If Justin can kind of put together a great year, I mean, Rendon is just, I mean, spectacular at third base. He's so calm. His swing, I mean, he's such a clutch hitter, um, and he's so great defensively. We're, we're in a great era, by the way, right now for for third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you know, I mean, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with Dexter. Dexter's back. You know, he's he, he's no longer with the Cardinals, but we'll see. You know, he's back reunited with Joe Madden. So I think I think it's a possibility. Um, I th- the A's are always tricky because they're always going to be tinkering. They're always going to be, you know, the A's are always going to be good. Whether they're going to be good enough to make a deep run is another question mark. But they're always going to be good. I think it's probably going to be a down year for the Astros. Um, Seattle's in a tough spot. That travel for the Mariners is always, you know, I think they got the longest active, you know, postseason drought in terms of not making the postseason. And the travel is always what kills those guys, and it's it's another kind of you know just a, a, a not a weird mix, but it seems like a lot of players just kind of thrown together. So this could be the year. I tell you what, the get you know you can't imagine the NBA without LeBron James in the playoffs. You know you can't imagine the NFL without Tom Brady. Now that he's you know he's, he's still playing. You can't imagine him you know or, or Mahomes not in the postseason. So it's weird that you know Mike Trout, who's I mean, he just hasn't had a down year ever. And this guy's only been in the postseason once, and they got swept by the Royals. So, I mean, he's, he's, the Angels got to find a way to make it to get it done. Fran, to your point, I told Randy yesterday that Mike Trout being the best player in baseball is kind of like an urban legend because most of the country has never seen him play. You're a thousand percent right. <laughs> I know, yeah, especially on the West Coast, too. I mean, and, you know, that's and I, I've always maintained I think baseball is the hardest of the, you know, the four major sports. It's the hardest team sport to, you know, A, win a world championship in, and B, you know, be dominant. I mean, I go back, you know, I have this debate, with this debate all the time with guys in the network about the Giants when they won in 10, 12, and 14, and whether that's a dynasty. And to me, I, I mean, it is. I mean, because it's just, it's, just, it's just hard to do. I mean, the last team went back-to-back with the Yankees back in the day. So it's, it's so tough to win in baseball, you know, you have the fewest number of teams that go to the postseason for the four major sports in just 10. I mean, I'm hoping that that gets changed. That still, by the way, could get changed before, um, you know, we get to the playoffs, so we'll see what happens. I think, I think, by the way, just kind of sidebar, I think that's one of the main reasons they wanted to go to more teams last year in the postseason to help, you know, get the Angels in there, get Trout in there, and the Angels still didn't make the playoffs, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's 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 an anomaly, and I know he's trying. I mean, look, he's doing his best, and it's up to the Angels to support him. And I think actually, you know, give Artie Moreno the, the owner, and uh, you know, I mean, now they get Joe Madden there, give him credit. They're they're, they're trying. You can watch Fran Charles across MLB Network studio programming, plus MLB's RBI Baseball 21 video game, available nationwide now, features play-by-play commentary for the first time ever, and it's Fran calling the action. That must have been fun, and it must be fun to watch people play in the game with your voice doing the play-by-play. It's a bit of a trip. You know, it's funny. 
Um, I have two kids, and, you know, about 10 years ago, maybe even a little, I mean, I'm old, so maybe even a little <laughs> longer than that, I did a, I did a clip for, for Madden, uh, the NFL game. I did a post-game show with Alex Flanagan, who's, who's awesome. And, like, my kids couldn't care less about anything that, I, that I've done professionally. They had, they, had, they had zero interest. But, man, getting in a video game, that'll get you street cred with the kids. You know, so all, all their friends, they were hyped up. So I remember that. So, uh, yeah, so I ended up doing uh, the, the RBI game, and uh, Tim Anderson's on the cover. Uh, a lot of hours in a dark booth. Uh, saying a lot of the similar things, but uh, the, the, the work that these guys do to put it together, it, it's absolutely amazing. And you can you can grab it on PlayStation, Xbox, um, check it out. But it's it's a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Fran, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks for taking some time with us, and hopefully we can visit again soon. Hey guys, absolutely anytime, all right? All right, thank you, sir. Take care. That is Fran Charles, our friend from MLB Network, another native St. Louis up there. So you've got Keith Costas, you've got Amzinger, you've got uh, Fran, you've just got uh, St. Louis galore up there. St. Louis has taken over. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> Coming up next, we talked earlier about what the Cardinals should do with Matt Carpenter, and we still have reaction from you, and uh, we'll give you a little bit more of our thoughts about Marp and what the Cardinals should do with him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A lot of responses this morning to our question. If you were in the shoes of John Mozeliak, Mike Gersh, Mike Schilt, what would you do with Matt Carpenter, who this spring is hitting 034? He's one for 29. The one hit is a double, but his OPS is less than 300, and he has really struggled. While he's been a good Cardinal, and it would have to be an emotional move if you're the Cardinals to remove him, what should you do? And we do have mic drops. We do have texts. And, Michelle, the other part of this is that John Nagoski, the 28-year-old minor leaguer, is very impressive in spring training, hitting 391. How can you, if you are the Cardinals, realistically look at John Nagowski and not think that he has earned a spot on this team? I don't know how you can do that. How, how you could send him out in favor of Matt Carpenter. How can t- you tell the other 25 guys in that room that your best chance to win is Matt Carpenter coming off the bench rather than Nagowski? The division is likely to be tight. It might be that you win or don't win a playoff spot because of the result of one game. On a nightly basis, what player gives you a better opportunity to win? And this is said with all due respect to the history of Matt Carpenter. He's been a really good Cardinal. Yes, of course. But in 2021, if you're trying to win that extra game, who gives you the better opportunity, Nagowski or Carpenter? I would say Nagowski, wouldn't you? I would too. And also, this is a team who's in recent years not been great offensively. So if you have a guy who's hitting the ball and who's hot and could maybe carry some of that momentum into your team when called upon, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want an infusion of offense? The only thing I can think is that the Cardinals still believe that Carpenter as a left-handed bat against certain right-handed pitching can be effective. And by the way, he does have, I believe, seven walks this spring training. So he's one for 29 with uh, with seven walks. So Seth. maybe they think he can take a walk here or there. 
Would you prefer that over Nagowski's production? No, because no, no. I wouldn't. No. no, I would just. I, I'm not surprised if Matt Carpenter gets opportunities and continues to get opportunities because he's making the money. That's what typically mm-hmm. happens with the Cardinals and these contracts. But it doesn't make it any less frustrating if you're a fan, especially when the Cardinals do seemingly go in this year with an attitude of we are trying to win. That's something that the fan base had been upset about for a long time. They didn't feel like the Cardinals were fully all in. The fans said, you know what? We show up. We give you our money and we want you to be proactive and try to be the best you can be. They go out. They get a normal and Arenado, they bring back Bueno, they bring back Yachty, they, they move on from Dexter Fowler, they commit to these young outfielders to seeing what they have in them and you think that they have a great chance to win the division and to go for it this season but then this move seems counterproductive to all the other moves that you made. And one other note, and I know this is really unfair, but in addition to going 0 for 4 yesterday Carpenter also made an error that opened up the beginning for Miami while playing first base. I hate that. But it did happen. It it's, did. It's not I, know. Un- I hate to see it. it. It's I hate not to fair, see but it. it happened. I've always been jealous of the Fast Lane because they have great members of the Fast Lane Army, I think they call it. Fast Lane and, Army, nice. Yeah. Janet is one of those, and uh, we're, we're trying to steal Janet away as our own. She's with us on 101 ESPN. If I was Mo, I would release Carpenter. Just let him go and just eat the salary and let the young kids play. Janet, thank you very much. That would be a $20.5 million check, $18.5 million, plus a $2 million buyout for his option next year. But I'm inclined to agree with Janet there. I am too. Shout out to Janet. But how is it that the thought process with the outfielders and the young outfielders does not apply to Matt Carpenter as well? Good point. If you're saying you want to check out the youth and see what you have in the youth mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that another Randy or Rosarena type situation does not happen again, shouldn't that be an all-encompassing thought process? Shouldn't you, if you have a guy like Nagowski who's performing in spring training, want to evaluate that youth as well? Want to evaluate him as a player? You'd think so. You would think so. But no. Uh, let's get to a uh, mic drop from Michael on 101 ESPN. If I'm John Mozeliak and Michael Gersh. I'm making a phone call down to Kansas City or up to Kansas City and asking Mike Matheny if he would like to get his old buddy Matt Carpenter back. And I'll take him for a bag of balls. You can make the phone call, but the Royals have better players at every position that Matt Carpenter plays. The Royals are actually pretty good right now, and I understand this, that Matt and Mike Matheny are tight. But if you're Kansas City right now, you gave big money to Carlos Santana to play first base. Uh, at second base, you've got Nicky Lopez, and you can play with Merrifield there, who's led the, Nash- the American League in hits on multiple occasions. At third base, they have a young slugger named Hunter Dozier, who has a very good upside. Plus, they have a young shortstop. And they'll probably have to move their current shortstop, Adalberto Mondesi, to third base because they're going to bring Bobby Witt Jr., their young shortstop, up. And Matt is making $18.5 million. So even if the Cardinals would swallow some of the salary, I don't see Dayton Moore, who you would have to call first, Mm -hmm. taking on Matt Carpenter. Yeah, I don't I don't see a path there either. And this is a really big pickle that the Cardinals are in because 
they have the contract. He's obviously, as you mentioned, and I, and I feel also ridiculous that we have to qualify this all the time with Matt Carpenter has been a great Cardinal. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy because we're not evaluating him as a person. We're evaluating him as a baseball player in a business that is a results-based business. That's strictly why you succeed or fail is based on results. And when you look at the numbers, one for 29, that is not great. And if, if I'm talking to the Cardinals and I say, is Matt Carpenter going to make this team? They're likely going to say yes. My follow-up question is then simply why? Why? Is it because you believe he's going to turn it around? Okay, why? Not having a great spring, and we take stuff like that with a grain of salt, but what have you seen from him in the recent past that leads you to believe that the that the tide is turning? I don't have one piece of concrete evidence that I can at least look to to think that it's going to be any different. And I hate to say that because no. I want Matt Carpenter to succeed, but I don't know what they're seeing in him outside of the contract that leads them to believe it's going to be different. And the situation is different than it was three years ago when they brought him in. His exit velocity was good. It was top five in baseball. Uh, His barrel rate was good. That's just not there anymore. So this is a different situation than a couple of years ago when they brought him in and he got hot and wound up hitting the 36 home runs. Let's get one more mic drop here on 101 ESPN. Regarding the Matt Carpenter contract and John Nagowski, that money's gone. You just put an $18.5 million bet on your bracket. It's just gone. It's busted. It's never going to work. Send him away. I don't care. Leave him the minors. Doesn't matter. It's gone. Put Nagowski in. Get some runs. Win 2021. Nagowski will be a bench player. And by the way, one thing that Carpenter has going for him is that he is more versatile than Nagowski. Nagowski appears to be just a first baseman, whereas Carpenter has been in the past a decent third baseman. He's played a lot of second base this spring. He can play first base, but he can't hit. And the fact of the matter is, at least if history holds true, Arenado's going to play 145 games, 150. Goldschmidt's going to play 145, 150. You hope Edmund plays 140 games. Those are the positions that Matt Carpenter plays, and you're hoping... You're planning on the guys that play those positions to play at least 140 games each at those positions. It's going to be an interesting decision. Yeah. And them. what happens if Carp gets hot here in the last 10 preseason games, or the last 10 spring training games? Maybe you will. I don't know. We'll see. But as we sit here right now, and as we look at last year, it does not look good. I think if he gets hot, great. Then we'll have that conversation then. But right now, I'm looking at one for 29. Not hot? Not hot. Freezing cold. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. This is always fun. Looking forward to it. It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. So, Randy, there's a group of L.A. Dodgers supporters called Pantone 294. They're a great Dodgers group. They travel to support the team. And they secured a billboard right next to Fenway Park. And any Red Sox fan that's driving up to the stadium or that's coming up to the stadium is going to see this. And what does it say? It says, Dear Boston, thank you, in all caps, for Mookie Betts. Sincerely, Dodgers fans and Pantone 294. I love that. That's a great idea. And if you want to taunt the Red Sox a little bit, Red Sox didn't want to spend the money to keep Mookie Betts around. It would have cost a whole lot of money. But, yeah, thank them because 
Alex Verdugo, what they gave up for Mookie Betts is virtually nothing. And we should actually come up with something that we can put next to Coors Field. We should. What would it say? Uh, dear Dick Monfort and Jeff Bridich, Bridich, their GM, uh, thanks for Nolan. We appreciate it. And the $50 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they had in parentheses and $50 million. Yeah, that would be great. Also, double parentheses, the Baron St. Louis is better than the Baron Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Don't, oh. need, don't need to name names, but you know who you are. Yeah. I, I'm really proud of those Dodger fans. That's trolling on such an elite level. It is. And they waited until fans were coming back to the stadium until after the Dodgers won the World Series with Mookie Betts. Everything about it is great. To just really make sure that they rubbed it in their face as much as possible. If yeah. you're a Red Sox fan, you're going to hate seeing that. Yes, you are. <laughs> hey, you know what? Those are the people that I wonder if it replaced the billboard said like that said like 109 days since the last World Championship when the Blues were playing the Bruins in the Stanley Cup. Ugh. So that's fine. Any trolling or taunting of Boston sports fans is well-deserved. They're insufferable. Agree. They are insufferable and they've won enough. Yeah, they they really became entitled. You think? Yeah. And it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I wonder which one of their teams is going to win next. Hmm. Maybe the Celtics. I don't know. They, they'd have to get by Brooklyn this year. Yeah. Depending on whether it's or not, not LeBron comes back. So. We would love to see it for Jason Tatum. Yeah, we would. But the Patriots, I, I don't like the way the Patriots are headed. I know a lot of people like the free agent signings. Those are guys that other teams were more than happy to like walk into free agency so they could keep other guys. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox are a ways away. Mm-hmm. Bruins? Bruins are pretty good, but again, well, I guess they're capable of winning. They, they've still got that core, but it's going to be different. You know, they've got a completely different defense. They're really good, but they lost Krug and they lost Chara. They lost uh, some of their best guys, and they're, but they're still pretty good. It might be them. Should we start a GoFundMe for the billboard in Colorado, or is that too shady for St. Louis? Is it worth it to troll Rockies fans when there won't be so many there? No, and also they're dealing with enough. Red Sox fans are insufferable, and they Mm -hmm. have certainly made other fan bases know throughout the years how superior they felt and rubbed it in everyone's faces. I, I almost feel like doing that to the Rockies is like kicking them when they're down. I mean, they're going to have a rough year if they're a Rockies fan. And their franchise has never won a division. It's rough. Yeah. And they're likely looking at Trevor Story leaving. Nolan Arenado is gone. That would be kind of an unfair troll job. They have no hope. So why would we do that to them? That's just It doesn't seem like something St. Louis would do or should do. We would have done it to the Cubs back in the day. Oh, definitely to the Cubs. Well, that's a whole different story. Yeah. That's your rival. You definitely want. If this was a, a deal somehow that had a Cubs tinge to it, you definitely would do that. So if the Cardinals can somehow come away with a win this year, then the, the billboard next year next to Wrigley Field is say says, hey, Cubs, nice dynasty. Oh, that's good. <laughs> they would hate that. But they did win one. They did. Which that's I think right. if you're a Cubs fan, that's all you could ever ask for. Well, I'm glad that's the case because that's all they're ever going to win. I I need to actually have that conversation with some of my friends in Chicago. Are you still okay with it because you won one and that's all you've ever hoped and dreamed for? Or do you feel disappointed that it was supposed to be more than one and that didn't pan out? I think it can be both, actually. Yeah, both things can exist at the same time.
Yeah. Hmm. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, have you ever criticized a player or a coach or a manager or a GM on the air and then had to have an uncomfortable conversation with them afterwards that was broadcast? Like, has someone ever said, I know what you said about me and I don't like it? Not on the air, no. Not on the air, no. How would you handle that? Because that's always something I think about. We just had this conversation about Matt Carpenter. We love Matt Carpenter as a guy, but part of our job is to evaluate the performance. We hate talking about when players aren't doing well, but you have to do it. And I always wondered if we would interview someone or or something like that, and then they would say, I pull the Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. I remember. I took it personally. I'm always fair, so I don't have any problems with that. I'm not a hot take guy. Yeah. So Me either. I try not to be. No, you aren't. And so I think that when we make critiques, they're reasonable and fair. Mm -hmm. So what I would ask is, here's what I said. What is unfair about it? Good response. Well, one show, Randy, and one host that does not shy away from a hot take is Paul Feinbaum. Mm -hmm. And we know that he can be very critical about coaches and programs, has been throughout his career. And he was very critical of Lane Kiffin during his time at USC. And now that Lane Kiffin is the head coach at Ole Miss, guess what show he needs to come on? (laughs) The Paul Feinbaum Show. And Lane Kiffin, like Michael Jordan, Randy, does not forget. By the way, for me to make uh, you feel old is quite an accomplishment for someone of my age. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. That's the first compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I try hard. I mean, I, 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 search the, uh, I search Twitter trying to find something good to say about you, but I'm, I'm struggling, Coach. Uh, anyway, in terms, in terms well, of the season. You, st- um, you still, let's make sure everybody knows, you still owe me because you did get me fired at USC it's that Saturday morning by saying I'm the Miley Cyrus of college football, which we've helped you since then. That's not really a put down. Yeah, for, for those who uh, who uh, who didn't see this, and I'm 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 blushing even beyond the, the normal blush of makeup. Uh, I, I said that on College Game Day. It was my first year at ESPN, Coach. I I was trying to make a name for myself, and and I, unfortunately, you just happened to be the next victim. I I I, I do feel badly about that. Well, don't worry. We helped you. We gave up 62 points that day, so um, it wasn't all you. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, apologizing. Yeah, good. And a nice comeback, too, uh, uh, to kind of smooth the waters by Lane Kiffin, saying we gave up 62 that day. But good for him for bringing it up, though. Right, exactly. Because if that's something that did happen and that he thought about all of these years, now here's your opportunity to say it to his face and on national television. Some coaches legitimately don't care what the media says. Some... And players, too. Some it sticks in their craw forever. Clearly, he's one of those guys who listens to something and it bothers him for a long time. Yes. And that's fine. And he lost his job, so I don't really blame him. But good for Paul Feinbaum, I guess, yeah. for apologizing and being gracious Definitely. about it. Definitely. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, before we wrap up, a couple billboard texts I want to get to. From the 636, Tampa Bay should put a billboard up outside Bush Stadium thanking John Moselock for Randy Rosarena. I thought it was going to be Tampa Bay should put a billboard up outside Foxborough Stadium and at Gillette Stadium thanking the Patriots for Tom Brady. That's another good yeah. one. But yes, uh, if Randy Rosarena winds up being great, then the Tampa fans should absolutely do that. And then this one from the three. Can they afford it, though? Because there's only like 10 of them. That's a good question. That is a good question. But if they're in Tampa, maybe they're retiring and they have lived a good life and maybe they mm-hmm. have a hefty bank account. 
and they want to pull all their money together. Okay, how about this one too? Last one from the 314. Cardinals fans would have lost their minds if the Angels taunted them about Albert. The thing is, if you try to taunt after like 2012 or 2013, the Cardinals are going to the NLCS in the World Series. And you're sitting there not making the playoffs. So I think the Cardinals fans might have said, no, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Or thank you, Albert, for choosing Anaheim. Yeah. But still, though, Cardinals fans would not have taken kindly to that. And no, you they know wouldn't. it. You they, know it. No, they, Cardinal fans don't take kindly to anything that is has a hint of criticism. No, not usually. So that's fine, though. It's, hey, you shouldn't. That's Michelle. That is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to look at our uh, bracket leaderboard, which uh, is not looking great right now. And at least for me, my bracket's kind of a mess. Hint, I'm not at the top. I, last I saw it was number 690. <laughs> I'm probably 1,502, whatever the bottom is. We'll take a look at that, plus some fun information for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I passed the dog. I passed the dog in total followers on Instagram. All right, Randy, proud of you. At the moment, I have 2,739. My golden retriever has 2,690. Eat it. Yeah. Darby Shaw. (laughs) So uh, I'm ahead and I want to stay ahead forever. So you can still follow us on Instagram. I'm at RJ Carricker. Michelle is at M Smallman. S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. Not A-N, people. It's O-N. Yeah. And, uh, one of the people that helped put me over the top is Riley Flynn, one of my followers on Instagram. Shout out to Riley. And Riley not only is going to get a free T-shirt from 101 ESPN, he's going to get a free autographed photo signed by me to him, personalized. He's going to get a couple of 101 ESPN bumper stickers. And once we're past the pand- pandemic, hopefully later this summer, uh, Michelle and I are going to uh, join Riley and three others for lunch. So we'll have six people for lunch across the street from our studio at the Post Sports Bar and Grill. Are you getting that type of a prize pack for many of your other people you're following on Instagram? I think not. No. So, uh, Riley... Congratulations. And for all of you that followed, I greatly appreciate it. And I promise that I will turn out quality content on a regular basis. But now, Randy, all these people are listening and they're saying, why should I follow you now if I'm not going to get the prize pack? So I think you need to dangle another carrot so that you can get to 3,000 followers. Do you have an idea, Michelle? Well, you've really upped the ante because not only did we go from just a signed headshot of you looking like Harrison Ford, a vintage, (laughs) a vintage headshot, by the way, from the fast lane. Randy, obviously leading the fast lane for many years before he joined me in the mornings. You threw in a free T-shirt. Okay, so Mm -hmm. now we've already ticked it up a notch. Then you threw in a bumper sticker. Then wildly, you threw in you and three friends are going to come to lunch and you're picking up the bill. You really, really wanted to pass your dog and followers. Maybe we can have them do a sh- so on my podcast, Randy. We do a thing called Shout Out Corner where we uh-huh. shout things out. Maybe we can implement a Shout Out Corner during the crossover one day, and one of your Instagram followers can come on and shout something out. I don't know if legally we'll have to make sure that's okay. Oh, I think we can do something like that. But people what are they going to do? Say no? 
people want to get on radio. So maybe that's the platform that you utilize. You flex our radio platform, tell everyone to follow you on Instagram, and maybe they can get uh, a spot in the shout-out corner. Yeah, have, uh, once a week we'll do the shout-out corner. But they have to follow you on Instagram. Yes, they do. And that's the way it'll work. I, I love this idea. There you go. So follow you're, Randy at RJ Character. Always thinking, uh, Michelle. I'm looking at the bracket madness and uh, the <sighs> VIP picks here at 101 ESPN, and this is everybody that is involved with the station. And I'll start with this. Alex Ferrario has two entries. One of his is in dead last place, eleventh place. He has 29 points. So, uh, Alex, congratulations. You may or may not. I don't know. Get a prize for finishing in last place. I'm shocked because I thought, Randy, I would definitely be in last place because not only did I have Illinois winning it all, I had three of four Big Ten teams in the Final Four, all three bounced. Well, Michelle, interestingly, you are one point ahead of Alex Ferrario. Amazing. And you both picked Illinois to win it all. Suckers. Shall we go to the top here and allow Emily to gloat? Is that why she wanted to do this as a segment? I when it got pitched yesterday, so. I thought, why Why are we talking about the VIP leaderboard? I don't understand. Now I understand. Uh, the VIP leaderboard uh, has our leader, and with a three-point advantage, I might add, wow. over Jamie Rivers. Emily has 42 points to lead all 101 ESPN people. Congratulations. Is this why we're doing this segment? No. <laughs> <laughs> who did you pick to win, Emily? Who is your national champion? The Zags. And who did you have them competing against the Buckeyes oh that one's tough that one's tough but still the Zags alive still the Zags alive I had a Big Ten championship rematch with the Buckeyes winning so Illinois let you down too yeah let a lot of people down Randy but still I'm getting to the point where I can reflect on the season and it was an incredible season I am very proud of that collection of young men and of Coach Underwood for the season that they put together and it was great to feel something again it was great Randy to feel alive again in regards to college basketball but um I'm so proud of you yeah but I'm not fully at acceptance yet because as I'm saying that I'm like but what did it all matter you just lost in the second round anyway. You didn't even make the Sweet 16. It's all about the journey. It's not, Randy. It's all about the hardware. I don't <laughs> care about the journey. I only care about the hardware. And guess how many banners Illinois has? Zero. Okay? Zero. So the Bi-State region has a total of zero. Zero. Okay. By the way, Jamie Rivers in second place with 39 points. Uh, meets in third. He's got 37 points. And then Anthony Stalter, who picked the Illini to win as well. He's in fourth place. I picked Gonzaga, and I'm in fifth. And Brad Thompson is tied with me uh, in fifth place. He picked Baylor to win it all. So there nice. you have the latest from 101 ESPN's Bracket Madness. And by the way, you found that on the app or at 101ESPN.com, I guess uh, just at 101ESPN.com. But you need to check out the app because March is almost over. That means we're almost done with App Madness. 101 ESPN and our sister stations down the hall are all competing in App Madness. And that ends Wednesday, Wednesday, March 31st, a week from tomorrow. So what do you need to do? Well, here's what you need to do. Download the 101 ESPN mobile app. Register your info between now and next Wednesday. That's it. Register your info on the 101 ESPN app between now and next Wednesday. And there are some awesome giveaways. A Traeger grill. I told somebody at a store yesterday. He said, do you have a Traeger? I said, yeah. It's like the favorite thing that I own. Right. Uh, $500 cash, a replica Nolan Arenado jersey. All those just for signing up and providing your information at the 101 ESPN app. Randy, can I circle back to, first of all, yes. Obviously, download the app. I use it every single day. You can stream any of the shows or listen to the podcast all day long. I love to do a workout in the afternoon. And guess what? Stream in the fast lane. It's so easy to use. It's so great to have. And it's free. So make sure to download it. Randy, I did 
te- uh, check the text line, though. Mm-hmm. And better than the shout-out corner, a lot of people are chiming in with something that would incentivize them to follow you on Instagram. And that is? The carrot cake. So a random listener gets a carrot cake? I think what you need is to say from now yep. until 3,000 that you're going to select one follower to get the carrot cake. Okay. Yeah, I'm at 2739. Between now and 3,000, a follower on Instagram at RJ Carricker will get a homemade Randy Carricker carrot cake. And I will deliver it to your home, personally. You will? Yep. See, I'm not going to do that. I, I will. <laughs> you don't have to come along. It's okay. You, Some afternoon I will. You're going to deliver it to their house. Personally. Yep. How about that? We can. You can have your phone ready, and that's something that we can use for content. Okay. There you go. Always thinking. Well, follow Randy. Yeah. Be sure to follow him. Great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. And, Michelle, this was fun. Thanks for doing it. It was, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show and for following us on the socials. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day. St. Louis, Danny Mac is next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.